Life After Addiction and Indictment. What a name of a business or even a podcast. I mean, can there be life after addiction or indictment? Well, today we talked to Steve about his journey from an opiate addiction to prison to losing his confidence, identity, purpose, and not even knowing if he had lost his marriage. Come on. Let's do a background check on Steve Clower. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum. And this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum. And this podcast is brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. If you want to know more about what we do at Forgiven Felons and how we help men coming out of prison and what our plans are to help uh, more people, men and women all over the Dallas area uh, coming out of prison with our new resource center, we're going to have vocational training. We're going to have all kinds of business opportunities, food, clothes, hygiene, uh, financial literacy. I mean, just it's going to be amazing what we're going to be doing in the reentry field. So if you want to go uh, find out more about that. See how you can help. Do you have a building we could use? Do you have uh, money that you can donate to our cause? Go to ForgivenFelons.org and check out everything there. You can also watch the documentary on Roku TV, Tubi TV. And we're just excited about what all is happening at Forgiven Felons. You know, uh, today's uh, April 2nd. And if you've been following me on Facebook or, or Instagram, you're seeing me post some of my journal entries that I wrote while I was in prison from 15 years ago. And today, April 2nd, 2006, is the day that I found out that I had made parole and that I was going to be getting out on April 18th, 2006. So today's a, a very exciting day. It's Good Friday. Happy Good Friday. Resurrection weekend. Uh, thank you for listening to Background Check Podcast. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about, this is what we do at Background Check Podcast. We we talk to people who has basically have resurrection stories. Doesn't matter what faith they come from, what religion, their life has been resurrected by them changing their mindset, changing their heart, changing the way they live. And I'm just excited about what we do here at Background Check Podcast. I can't wait to see the guests that God has lined up for all of us and uh, in the years to come, it's going to be around for a long time because as long as there's uh, life, there's background checks. You know what I mean? So uh, today, man, we have a guy named Steve Cloward. He, he's from, he has his own business and podcast. It's both called Life After Addiction. Uh, he's got an ebook as well that's available on the website. He sells some uh, different courses to, um, very affordable courses, by the way to help you change your mindset, get your confidence back, and and not let your past define you. So Steve had a 14-year battle with opiates, and then he was facing a federal indictment. He went to prison, lost his freedom, but he also realized he lost his identity, confidence, and purpose, and wasn't sure if he'd end up losing his 20-year marriage. 
the past decade, he's spent a lot of money, uh, about $100,000 on coaches, courses, events, masterminds, trying to find out why his past kept popping up, poisoning his future that held him back from reclaiming his life. Steve uh, is a serial entrepreneur. He's grown several businesses to seven figures over the past 20 years. He's got a big heart and extremely loyal. Steve's a people person, great networker who loves to bring people together. He has a top-rate podcast, like I said, Life After Addiction, an indictment to help those who continue to scream at their past ah, and keep tripping over their future reclaim their life through entrepreneurship. He knows what it's like to lose his confidence, have doors slammed in, in your face, or lack the knowledge to chase your dreams. After 24 years of coexisting in his marriage, Steve knows what it takes to create a happy and fulfilling relationship. In fact, Steve and his wife, uh, Ann, celebrate 31 years together. Man, that's amazing because I know a lot of people who lost their marriage after going to prison. They have uh, four boys and one girl, ages 16 to 28. When he's not working, he loves to spend time with his family in Lake Powell, Utah. It was a great interview. We had lots of fun. I enjoyed getting to know him, and I have a feeling we're going to be more friends than just a, a podcast interview. And I'm going to go on his podcast in a couple weeks, I believe. So we're looking forward to that. So here's my interview with Steve Cloward from Life After Addiction and indictment. Stephen Cloward, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Hey, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. I must be in trouble with you already. I mean, my, my legal name is Stephen, but... Oh, you know, did I say Stephen? So, Steve, that's Steve. Okay. That's okay. Right. That's my name, but um, I'm like, man, well, my wife's ready to yell at me if I'm hearing Stephen. <laughs> and probably no middle name. I mean, uh, usually yeah, my mom, I mean, when I was in trouble, it was J. Daniel Gum. So. Yeah, I've got a middle name after my grandfather, Wells. Nice, nice. Well, man, welcome to the show, man. On Background Check Podcast, we love to share stories of people who have uh, risen above a background, you know, that 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 uh, a criminal background, a addiction background, anything that um, got both. <laughs> yes, yes. Congratulations. Uh, I'm in, I'm in that group too, and that's what really uh, when I first saw your your uh, podcast link, I clicked on it and. I just basically, you know, could relate to a lot of, except for the uh, investing that much money, hundred thousand dollars into uh, coaches and masterminds. All that. I haven't done that yet, but I'm, but I'm working up to it. I'm working up to it. So, uh, man, all right. So we love to share stories of how people have risen above their background, and you've done, you've done such an awesome job. So let's tell everybody who you are now, um, yep. and what what you do, what all you offer everything, your, your, your business, your company, and then we'll, and then we'll work backwards and, and get to how you got there. Perfect. Well, currently, you know, I've got a company called Evolve Sales and Marketing. That's kind of, it's something I got into because I needed to sell, do something, um, you know, almost nine years ago, never really enjoyed it. But then became a dealer and long story short, that thing just all of a sudden took off like six, eight months ago. And I've been talking about, you know, consulting and helping people who are kind of struggling because they're, you know, I like to say screaming at their past and tripping over their future because that was me. You know, I've been out of prison for just over a decade. And congratulations. Thank you. And honestly, you know, I was stuck for damn near eight, eight years out of the past 10. Um, and about five years ago, I started getting involved with some coaches and other groups and, and, you know, I always had that feeling and pulling at me that I wanted to help other people, you right. know, um, because throughout my life, that's 
the thing that makes me feel the best period. I think most human beings are like that, but I wasn't in a position yet, you know, to do that. I mean, yeah. and, and I realized what I was doing without even, you know, knowing it as I was really looking at myself as two halves. And so anyway, so um, finally, once things kind of clicked and I got my mindset dialed in, because that's really what it comes down to, yes. um, I, you know, and the other business finally really just exploded. I started building, you know, my podcast, Life After Addiction and Indictment, as well as, you know, my consulting where I can help people kind of reclaim their lives, you know, through entrepreneurship, because as you know, uh, the background is a bitch and, yes. you know, it's also a struggle for for anybody, entrepreneurship's not easy. Um, but when you're lacking confidence, um, it's damn near impossible. Yeah. You know, because it's already hard and you're going to bump up some things, especially if you've never done that, if you've been used to having a job, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I also believe everyone deserves to live their best life and really live their life of their dreams because we're all, we're all born to have whatever we want. Right. But I think we, we, we aren't, the school systems and society isn't set up in a way for us to realize that. I mean, damn near, I, you know, I don't want to get all political or anything because I really don't think there's not <laughs> much politics. There's no left and right, in my opinion. It's all evil as hell. It is. Period. It, is. Um, it really is. And everything's put in front of us really to program us and hypnotize us to be a certain way. Right. And so when you bump up against that, if you even realize it's happening, you know, that's the first part. You got to realize yeah, that it's exactly. It's just like I tell people, it's just like being an addict, you know, until I realize it, commit it to myself, there's no hope. And so you have to, the system already going against you. And then you, you're lacking confidence. I don't care who you are. You're lying if you don't have some fears of some kind. Right. Um, but when you're weak mentally because of, you know, whatever experience, trials, traumas you've had, it makes it damn near impossible to push through, you know? Yeah. And so until I, you know, got some help and, and was around other people again, because that's what I was good at. I was good at, you know, networking and, and kind of putting people together on deals and things like that. But when I was, I like to say broken, I just continued to kind of sit and grind and stay in my office and grind and, you know, if you're not out and about or online consistently networking, you're just setting yourself backwards yeah. and you don't want to be sitting by yourself when you're struggling, you know, mentally, because that's just going to create deeper stories that you already have that right. are typically going to just make you more stuck. So what, what all does your company offer? Uh, currently, I've got a, a uh, you know, there's a free ebook people can grab that's really focused on mindset and happiness because happiness is a choice. Yes. You know, oftentimes we allow the outside forces to try to dictate whether we're happy or not. Got So I've got, it's like a 69 page ebook at uh, mindsetisthekey.net. And then I've got a, just a low ticket course for 17 bucks um, that really, you know, I've got 10, I think training videos in there where I just really talk about what I've experienced and then what tools exactly I used and things that helped me kind of break through. Um, and that's at breakthroughproductions.co. Okay, yeah, and, and we'll have we'll have your website. We'll have everything on there that they can uh, link to to uh, to check that out. But but man, um, so do you? So you don't believe money can buy happiness? Nope, I think it puts a hell of a good down payment on it, but it certainly can't buy it. Well, this is what I always say: money 
can't buy happiness, but it can buy me a water burger and that makes me happy. There you go. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know, you, you know, figure it out if, if it, yeah. if it but, uh, but no, I I'm with you. I agree. Um, you know, we have a lot of our guys coming out of prison. We have two transitional houses and, awesome. and really that's the main thing we focus on with them is changing their mindset. Because Absolutely. no matter, even if they learned to survive and, and do well in prison, they took classes, they took uh, education, they, they, they did all the right things in prison to, to better themselves and grow. Yeah. When they get out, their mindset has to shift because, because their mindset while they were in, even though they were growing within prison, yeah. um, their mindset has to shift when they get out because it's a totally different ballgame. Amen. And, and it's, it's, I mean, we get guys that have done 25, 30 years in prison Gosh. and it's so hard to break those, those mindsets, those, they don't oh, trust man. anybody that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so it's, it's true. crazy. It's crazy. Really so weird. what was, how long did you do in prison? What was prison like for you? You know, I got caught up. I had a, a real estate appraisal firm and got caught up in a, a mortgage fraud conspiracy to commit mortgage fraud. Um, you know, I was, had 10, 10 appraisers working for me. And, and the guy, you know, I'll, I'll say this because anybody can say I'm guilty. I'm not guilty. All that. I did a lot of things during my addiction that would have put me in prison. No doubt. Um, there was no conspiracy to commit mortgage fraud. The guy that, that was doing the double closes, um, his folk, we were, we had known each other since we were kids, not like right. best friends. His folks died in a plane crash in 79. My folks were supposed to be on. They backed out the night before, but Aside from that, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I needed that time out, even though it sucked royal. Because I was just all about money and stuff. You know, I'm running six companies and it's just, it was stupid trying to keep up with the Joneses. And really what that boiled down to is I, you know, started doing the inner work is I, I was trying to define who I was by all that bullshit, you know, right, right. and once you realize that none of that stuff matters, it changes things, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I got, right. you know, I got a 33 month sentence. Um, and it's crazy because I didn't know about the system or anything like that. And, you know, in the fed, they have the RDAP program. RDAP, yep. So I heard about that and thought I could get into that. Um, even though I'd been sober, but I believe it or not, I had a vasectomy and I told the doc, I mean, I was like hardcore in my sobriety. I had, you know, a four-year medallion on my chain. And and even my wife, who's a nurse, she, you know, she went to, I did an outpatient um, and she would come on the family nights. So she understood it and stuff. But it was one of those dynamics where even though someone would come into her office and, you know, and maybe they dealing with addiction, have a kid, she'd always refer them to me hmm. and to talk to them. But if I had an issue, you know, I was a total loser. She did, it, it was just different. You know what I right. mean? And I get it because of the, you know, all the stuff she had been through. So I told the doc, you know, I don't need anything. I'll be fine. And that night she came and asked me, said, well, he gave you a prescription of um, Ultram. Well, it's non-addictive, non-narcotic supposedly, but I had also had that in the past and it metabolized great for me. Mm. you know, and that started about a two month where I was, you know, using it occasionally right. outside of what was prescribed. But thank the good Lord, I had been through, you know, day spring program I went through. So I really understood things. And so I was able to just 
catch myself and say, hey, I'm not going down this road right. again, you know. Anyway, so that, you know, so you're going through your pre-sentence report and all that. And I'm, I have no idea until I get into prison that these guys that were all drug dealers, but never, you know, addicted any drugs, you know, their attorneys are telling them, yeah, tell them you got a drug problem so you can get into RDAP, you know. And so here I am a true addict and I get in there and I get turned down and I've wow. heard about it before. So in fact, I paid a guy, I don't know if you've heard of his name. He was the big guy on every channel out there on cable when uh, Bernie Madoff was going down for his big Ponzi scheme. And so I connected with that Larry Levine, who's like the yeah. Wall Street prison consultant, talked to him and he sticks, you know, here I am losing everything. I'm going broke. You know, I really don't have any money. And he says, oh yeah, for 1500 bucks, I can have you talk to this psychologist and we'll get you a letter. You can, you'll get you an RDAP, you know, and didn't do anything for me. <laughs> but so luckily um, the, the lady who was one of the counselors at this day spring was a Utah Valley hospital. Um, you know, I got to know her really well, obviously. And so I sent her a letter and she sent in some records that showed I had had that Ultram or Ultraset relapse. Right. And so I remember laying in my bunk and it was crazy because when I got there, I went, you know, it was self-surrender and there was two other guys in my case there. Guy, it was a title guy. And then another guy was just guilt by association of the main guy who did all the double closes. And my first bunkie was the title guy who I never know, but they all <laughs> self-surrendered a month before me. Right. And so when I go in there, I'm in the same cube with the, the title guy. So I'm laying there one morning, those, those documents had come in. All of a sudden my bunkie's kicking my, the bar of my bed and he's like, you Cloward. And I look up and there's the RDAP, the doctor guy, whatever, you know? Yeah. And he's like, hey, Cloward, I need you to sign right here. And I was just like half asleep, you know? And then when I realized what had happened, I'm like, holy shit, I'm in, you know? And that's so you understand how that works. Yeah, I mean, that changed yeah. a 33 month sentence, which where I was at in Florence, Colorado, where the ADX is right up the street. Yep. You're damn near doing most of your time, but they don't give you much halfway house. Right. Which after going to the halfway house, I mean, that's better than prison, but not much. <laughs> I can see why some people, uh, you know, where, where, where did you go to the halfway house? What Salt city? Lake city. Okay. I don't yeah. know. The, yeah. The ones that are here are really, uh, they're done through volunteers of America and they are horrible horrible yeah. so that's I mean, that's one nice thing to, to at least have the phone and be able to communicate and see your family a little bit stuff so i mean that beats it for sure but but it still was a miserable setting and anyway so that you know i ended up doing 14 and a half months where i'd have probably and they did so that with rdap they automatically give you six months halfway yeah yep. so i would have done approximately 30 months maybe 28 or 9 with i guess 47 days off a year whatever so, you know, it, it ended up being 11 months, you know, sooner. So it was huge, you know, yeah, big, yeah. but, uh, well, I won't, I, I don't need to ask you how Florence was because I had, a, I had a really good friend that, uh, that was sentenced there for seven no years, kidding. took the RDAP program. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, I kind of know how Florence yeah. was, Yeah. but, um, what was the hardest thing for you in prison? Well, for the first couple of months, I can tell you without a doubt, you know, I was depressed as hell. I was playing a victim role. But, and the reason I think that that impacted me so much is because, you know, up to 42 plus 42 years of my life, no matter what situation I ran up to against or in life, no matter what it was, I was always a problem solver. I could always yeah. deal with it. You know, uh, I didn't understand how severe this situation was when I got out of the indictment, honestly. In fact, I took off an hour later to drive to St. George because I had a real estate project going on down there. And 
I get called by the local NBC affiliate as I'm driving down there asking me for my statement. And, and I just flat out told her, yeah, I'll call you when the truth comes out. I was that naive to the situation, you know? Yeah. And, but I got there and I realized this must be serious. So I turned around, drove another three and a half hours back. So I figured I better be with my family figure out what yeah. the hell is going on. So it was crazy. And so once I got over that, I sometimes will kind of say it was easy once you get the mindset, right. you know, that you're just there. And so I got to make the best of it. I can honestly say I could, I got to the point finally where I could sleep and wake up and I hadn't even rolled over once and my hair's hard, not even messy. Yeah. I've never been able to do that, you know, <laughs> still to this day, you know? And so wow. I think you just, I was able to get my mind to a place where I just had surrendered, you know? Right. And, and you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm not much of a religious guy, even though I grew up LDS. But, you know, I, I can tell you there's two times in my life that I can't hardly even talk about this, that I prayed like I've never prayed ever before. And the first time was I met with my attorney. I've met with him five times. He's up in Park City. He was my real estate attorney, bright guy. And so when I got the indictment, I wanted to see him, put his arm around me, says, oh, I got your back, Steve. Now, looking back, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. Because number one, he didn't do shit. Mm -hmm. And the five times I went to meet with him about my case, all we did was walk over to the Marriott Hotel and eat lunch and chit chat about BS stuff. So it's coming close to the trial date. And I had spent a week and a half, literally, I put one of those four inch binders together and I had everything cross referenced and tabbed and everything. And I went and sat down with him on a Friday. I mean, my parents took my five siblings and all of our, their kids and my kids on a vacation during that time. And I sat in the condo and was working on this stuff the whole time. When I sat down with him on a Friday, first thing he said, it was, let's write out your police statement. I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? And I said, you've got to at least promise me you'll go through all this stuff, you know, and then we can talk Monday. He called me Sunday morning and told me we're meeting with the feds in downtown Salt Lake that night at 6 PM. Mm. And dude, I, I mean, I shit, I, yeah. like, I didn't know what the hell so I went to my parents and man, I've prayed with them and I've never prayed like that ever. Cause I had to know yeah. before I left their house that that was what I had to do, you know, because when you're about to go say you are a felon and you're guilty, when you truly can prove that you didn't conspire to do anything, you know, right. I didn't even do the appraisals. It was guys in my office and they funded off my guys appraisals, which are the lowest of the two that are required on jumbo. So you know, it was, it was a mess, but once I got, you know, over things and in prison, you know, three weeks in, I'm calling home and my, I asked my wife, this is how selfish I was. I'm like, you know, do you even care about us and me? You know? And she's like, I don't have time to worry about you. And that just tore my heart out, dude, you I know? Bet. And so walked down to my cube. And once again, I freaking just asked the Lord, man, I, I got to get through this. You know, both times, like I knew before I left my parents' house that that's what I was needed to do. I mean, you know, the stats, if you go yeah. fight them, feds, yeah. I mean, look at how crazy they are today. <laughs> it's, yeah. you, know, you know, it's not a fair fight, you know, guilty or not is beside the point. It's just not a fair fight. Those two times really made a big difference, you know. So you, your wife stayed with you. Yeah, 30 years we've been married. I don't know how many guys while I was in prison that I talked to. I was only in for three years and. I don't know how many I talked to that, you know, you, you could see a difference in them one day and you're like, yeah. Hey, what, what's going on? And they're like, well, I got a letter from my wife and she's wanting a divorce. So and cool. to see what 
to see what that did to the guys that were already somewhat yeah. depressed and down and just, you know, um, man, it just took, took some of them over the edge and they oh, weren't, yeah. they weren't the same and in, in, inside and they, they start doing insane things and having their mindset shifted the wrong yeah. way. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, man, I, I wasn't married when I went in, I didn't have any kids. I had my son, but we yeah. weren't any, in, in each other's lives. So there was no connection there, but I can't imagine going through even the short three years that I went through, um, knowing that I have a wife and kids out there that I'm responsible for, um, and, and wondering and wondering if she would even stay yep. with me. Yep. So I, 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 I admire all the wives that stayed oh, with. I'm incredibly blessed. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I say, you know, on my website, you know, I, I lost my confidence. I lost my identity and I wasn't sure if I was going to lose my marriage after I got home, you know, uh, it took some time and he, you know, she knew the scoop and stuff, but just the trauma and all the, all the, the past that it brought up regarding addiction, right. You know, whether right or wrong, that's just what it did. And had her in her dream home and everything. And not that that stuff makes you happy either. But what that did do is it's allowed all my kids to have their friends there. Right. So the, my kids are around, she knows what they're up to. And all of a sudden month after I leave, I mean, we knew we were losing the house and just having to move. And so now the kids aren't around and you know what I'm, you know, I'm very, very, very blessed because my kids, you know, never got really into any trouble. You know, they were good kids. My oldest was a senior when I, you know, went in. In fact, I remember calling home. It was within the first month. And, you know, I was the dad that all my boys were baseball players. And so I was the dad, if I went and bought a, you know, 299 stealth bat back in the day, I had to come home with three. Yep. You know, so I'm <laughs> dropping a grand just because I got to get everybody one, you know, and I'll never forget it. So here he is 17 years old. And he's like, you know, he didn't say a, a specific thing. He was like, dad, none of that stuff matters. You know, and I just went, holy shit. You know, this yeah. kid already is getting it. Yep. You know, so gets it. I often, you know, I often wonder, you know, maybe I say that it was a BS situation, but it was a blessing, man. Yeah. You know, I needed it yeah. because it pulled me out of the rat race I was in even though I know what was right and I was a good person and I love to help people, I still wasn't like family wise. I was particularly extent of him. I was a prideful know-it-all and, you know, and you know, frankly, me and my wife for the most part were coexisting. She wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I just believe everything happens for a reason too. Right. Yeah. And you know, it had to happen and it's crazy how, when you look at it, we hurt the ones we love the most and we don't even really realize it or know it. You know, it's like subconsciously we take them for granted, but you have them ripped away from you like that. It only takes about one day <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, to realize what's up. So I'm grateful for it. You know, uh, I like it when the kids get it. Uh, my kid, my two girls are only eight and eight and six. And, you know, there's times where my eight year old looks up at me and she says things and my wife and I just look at each other and we're like, oh, my God, she's growing Crazy. up. She gets it. She yeah. gets this thing that sometimes we even forget. Yeah. You know, and uh and so I don't know if as we're adults, I don't know if we just lose lose track or get our mindset off off things uh in a way that lets us allows us to forget it. And then yeah. and then our kids who are just so just so genuine in their everything. They're genuine in their thoughts, their their kindness, they're they're genuine in their anger, they're genuine in everything. And sometimes they get it. And man, I feel like sometimes God allows us to get, 
to get back on track through our kids. Amen. And, yeah. uh, and also through our circumstances, you know, uh, whether there are circumstances that uh, happened beyond our control or whether there are circumstances that happened because of decisions we made. Yeah. Uh, I believe that uh, no matter what, what caused it, that God can bring something even better than what we had out of it. So and, true. and, uh, and that's, I know he, if he did it for me, I know he can do it for everybody else. And obviously he did it for you too. Yeah. And, uh, so what man recovery, you know, obviously you're in long-term recovery. How long has it been? It's been 18 years. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. 17 years, uh, 11 months and 14 days. Dude, congrats. That's so, so I'm, I'm, so I'll be 18 right soon. there. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, April April 9th, 2003 is my sobriety date. I, I think I may have missed it by a day or two, but April 9th is my sobriety date. I, I went into federal court, not federal court, uh, state court, felony court, and they read my indictment. They let me go because I'd never gotten a felony before. And now all, all of a sudden now I, I'm going, I'm going before the judge for my fourth and fifth DWI, or actually for my fourth. And so I go in there and they're like, uh, Judge, he hasn't, he read he reads it, and then I'm leaving. Okay. And then I come back for a court date later. Oh, okay. Well, then this court clerk, you know, uh, stands up and says, uh, judge, he hasn't been paying his court appointed attorney fees. And I didn't know much about the legal system. I just thought if you had a court appointed attorney that you, you didn't have to pay him because if you had money, you would buy right. your own attorney. Well, evidently for some reason they were, they were making people pay court appointed attorneys. And I wasn't used to that in my That's home County, Dallas, my home County, Dallas, they weren't, they weren't making us do that. So, uh, he said, he the judge said, Mr. Gum, why, uh, why haven't you been paying those? I'm like, honestly, I didn't know I had to. And, um, he said, well, um, I think you knew it. You probably just forgot. I'm going to jog your memory. I'm going to revoke your bail. No and way. he revoked my bail right then. And I was honestly, I was still detoxing from oh, getting gosh. home at 2 AM the night before. Oh gosh. <laughs> so I was drinking. I mean, I, I was drinking hard and, but that was the last time it was actually, so actually, April 9th was my last drink, but I was still drunk through yeah. the morning of April 10th when I was uh, arrested. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, um, and then I never got out. I went straight from there to uh, a few months later, I went to state prison in July. Wow. And I uh, did, did three years. And so April 18th, I'll be out 15 years, April oh, 18th. Wow. Yep. And married uh, 13. So I got married. Oh, that's awesome. April 18th, 2008. So we, we, I share the, we were, we were looking at times to get married and my wife was like, well, I want to get married on this Friday. I said, well, that's 18th. So that's, do you mind sharing your anniversary date with yeah. my release date from prison? <laughs> and she thought about it for a minute. She's like, well, this, this date means a lot to you, huh? April 18th. And I said, yeah, she yeah. goes, good. That means you'll never forget our anniversary. Let's get married on that date. That's cool. What's been, um, what's been the hardest thing for you coming out of prison, getting your life back on track, starting your own company. What's been the hardest thing for you through all this? Honestly, the hardest thing was just trying to decide what I wanted to do. You know, it's weird. Uh, you know, I got into appraising because my dad had a full service car wash and convenience store and detail shop. He was a dentist, but he thought I'd build this thing and kind of be the family farm, if you will, for, you know, while we're going through high school and stuff. And uh, I got the manager stealing when I was 19 and he fired him and all of a sudden now I'm running this place. Um, now I'd worked in every part of it. So I understood that, but I had no clue about right. payables, receivables, all that stuff. And I was intimidated as hell because now the owner's son is the boss, you know, <laughs> no pressure um, there. 
Yeah. And, but, you know, it was also a great experience. I dropped out of college then to, you know, do that. And I hated college. So when he sold that, a good friend of mine who had worked there while he was at BYU, he was from Idaho, but we became really good friends. And he moved back home to Idaho and became an appraiser. And so I was talking to him on the phone one day and he says, you ought to get into this. And I had looked at, you know, kind of how his life changed and he was doing well, you know, something of dang, okay. And back then you only had to go to a Friday, Saturday, five weekends in a row at a school in Salt Lake, and then go to the state 200 bucks, you're licensed. Wow. Dude, it was so pathetic. I even wrote on the, the grease board in the back of the room. This is the biggest waste of time. You haven't taught me a damn thing about how to, to write an appraisal report. Wow. So, so I would, my brother went to school with me as well as my best friend who's now in high school has passed from cancer, but we would pack our computers up and go up to my buddies in Idaho three days a week to learn how to do it. Wow. And so when, when shit hit the fan and, you know, I lost my license and all that, you know, can't ever do it again. I really struggled figuring out what to do. And that's why, you know, I got into the satellite business and that's what really evolved sales and marketing does is sells satellite and internet and security. Um, but I, you know, like I said, I hated it. It was just, but I just looked at, okay, it's a stepping stone to whatever's next. And a few years into that, I realized I just want to help people that are going through what I'm dealing with. Right. You know, but I still wasn't ready as much as I wanted to, you know, I knew I had the ability for sure, but I wasn't ready mentally. And so, you know, it took another almost five years till I got to that place. Okay. So your, your podcast, Life After Addiction in Prison, right? Is that the name and of it? Indictment. Life After Indictment. Addiction. Indictment. Uh, all right. Say the name of it. Life After Addiction and Indictment. Indictment. I like that. I like that. What is that all about? Tell us about your podcast. Bottom line is I just, you know, as I evaluated, I've always been an entrepreneur. So after we sold the car wash, I've just always had my own business. Really prior to that, I did too. I mean, I remember, you know, I was mowing lawns as a young kid in the neighborhood. And, and you know, I got into the, back in the day, you know, my dad has this car wash and large convenience store and right next door is a huge apartment complex, you know, college students. So I asked my dad, hey, could I, you know, set up video rental in there? And so that was actually my first, you know, quote business where I had to go get a loan for the bank. Yeah. Um, and so as I was thinking about how I could, you know, impact people, whether it's addiction and diet, it doesn't matter if it's just COVID screwing you up the last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Just life trials. It's like, but when you have, you know, background check and you have a felony, how can we stop getting doors slammed in our face? Right. How can we take control of our life? And so, you know, I thought, what I, you know, I'd really like to help people reclaim their life through entrepreneurship. You know, I thought, okay, well, what's the best way to do that? Well, I've, you know, I've been in marketing the last six years, so I've learned that game pretty well. And that was really for lead gen for my satellite business. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just become like the, re I guess really a, a funny way to describe it is become that librarian. Yeah. So anybody can come to me, you know, yes, I'll have some consulting and stuff to walk them through whatever, but they, once they know what they want to go after, what business, you know, I'm the resource guy that you can come in. And if I don't know it, I've got the resources or the contacts, right. you know, or whatever to help people build their business and, and really take control of their lives. So they can, can, they can really secure their future and their family's future. Cause that was another very difficult thing for me 
is living the life that I lived and provided my family. And all of a sudden everything's taken, you know, I lose it all. And now I'm leaving them and there's no income. Yeah. And so not only do I want to help people with the business they want, but I also want to teach them how to generate through business, you know, the best business with passive income. So good. You know, so important, man. what's that? That's so important. Oh yeah. Cause that I don't know was, how many, how many families and wives I've talked to that their husband uh, went to prison and I've had to help the families move out of their home. Oh, and, cool. and it's just, man, you know, I, I like your idea better as far as helping, helping people just to get that passive income so they don't lose anything. I was always, I was thinking, man, there's gotta be something that I can do one day, whether it's just find a lot of money somehow to just be able to not bail them out the family, but just say, all right, right, when, when is your loved one getting out of prison? Let, let's show, let's show you how to fill the gap until they get back so they can make money. And even when they get back, it's still going to be hard yeah. to, hard to, you know, get off the ground again. But I feel like some of these families were caught off guard, which I'm sure Absolutely. your wife was as well. Thanks, so, um, you know, that, that, that's tough, man. So, so you've kind of already answered the question. My next question was just, why do you, why do you feel like you have to, to pour back into people, you know, but um, talk about that a little bit. Like I said earlier, that's whether it's money, whether it's your time, whatever, whatever, there's nothing, there's no amount of money that makes me feel better than impacting somebody else in a positive way. You know, I don't care who you are. You cannot be depressed. You cannot be angry. You can't have anxiety. None of that crappy negative emotions when you're helping someone else. That's focused on gratitude. I mean, a quick little tidbit that, that really made an impact on me kind of at that two month mark I talked about with uh, realizing kind of where I was at and just having to deal with it. My mom had a friend who I hadn't met till about five years ago. So this is five years after I come out of prison, who, who she started, I'd never met her. I hadn't even heard of her. They met after I was gone and she started writing me letters. And her second letter said, Steve, I don't know what it's like to be in there and I'm not going to try to pretend but I promise you, no matter how bad it is, if you'll go to bed each night and think of three things that day that you're grateful for, I really think it'll help. And dude, I'm telling you, that changed everything. And that's it, true to this does. day. That's how I start my day every day now when I wake up. I'm it does. I'm we um, gratitude. You know, I told you I got an eight and a six year old, and every night before we go to bed, or or as a part of our bedtime, uh-huh. we we ask everybody. We start off before we pray. We start off, and and everybody goes around and says tell us what they're thankful for today. And a lot of times our kids will start thinking, being thankful for things that happened last week or thankful that they're going to six flags tomorrow. But we try to, we try to, we try to pull them back in and say, okay, that's good. You know, that you're grateful for things that are going to happen and things that did a long time ago, but what happened today? Let's reflect on your day. And, and we, and sometimes they had bad days, you know, like they got, they got a couple spankings, got trouble at school, (laughs) And they have to really, really dig deep inside and look at the day, even as a six and eight year old, to find something to be thankful for. And so that's what they're getting. Yeah. So, um, so, but you're absolutely right, man. It's all about, there's always something, always something that you could be thankful for, uh, show gratitude for. I mean, both of us probably could have been in a lot worse prisons than the ones we were in. No kidding. I mean, no matter how bad it is, one, you, you know, try not to default to the same thing. Obviously you want to really like you're doing with your daughters is so powerful. And 
you know, but you could, there's no matter how bad it is, there's always somebody that has a lot worse. In fact, there's probably millions that have a lot worse. Yeah. You know, you're right, man. You're right. So if, if, if you had somebody sitting right in front of you uh, and they were, they are currently going through the same thing that you, you kind of went through facing prison, leaving their family and all that. And, and they're feeling that same depression that, that you felt, um, and maybe some guilt and shame along with it, you know, what would you, what would you say to them? Uh, Simple. First thing is you got to figure out if you haven't yet, you got to forgive yourself and love yourself. Mm, so good. Number one, number two, the thing that really shifted me because I'm a big guy on not only mindset, but I believe without a doubt, what we put out is what we get in our lives. You know, I always get it mixed up. I, I think it was Earl Nightingale. It might've been Del Carnegie, but one of them had that famous line in, in their book, you know, men simply don't think. And so why I say that is because the subconscious is so powerful. We have so much crap going through it day yeah. in and day out that you, you can sit and let life happen for you, or you can create your future life. And so about two and a half years ago, I sat down and I wrote out what I call the conscious self-creation statement. And that's basically just, I am, or I have, yeah. you know, and I got to the point once I memorized it, it was weird. I remember speaking at a conference with realtors. I was doing social media training and I told them this and they just all made fun of me, but I would, it's weird. I, I, I memorized it, but when I said it every morning, it's weird that the trigger was right as I stepped into the shower. <laughs> and so I would literally just say it in there, you know, That's good. and you know, it's just, you know, it can be, very short. It can be long. It doesn't matter. I had one mentor of mine that I read his to record it so I could hear it. it took 13 minutes. Mm. You know, mine was about three, but the power of hearing the most powerful way is to say it, to see it, hear it, and read it. If you do all yeah. those four things, I guarantee you, you can manifest that in your life. I had a guy on my podcast earlier today. I don't know if you know the name, but he's big time, you know, marketer and business consultant and one of the world's fastest hypnotists named Marshall Silver. And he just had open heart surgery like five weeks ago. Wow. And when he was in the ICU right after, well, prior to going in, he told the doctor, I'm going to be the best patient you ever had. This is going to be the easiest surgery and record time that you've ever done. Wow. He wakes up in ICU recovery and the nurse is kind of just look, shaking her head and laughing at him. Says it's like what you know. She's like, sure enough, that was the easiest, fastest surgery he'd ever done. Well, then the therapy guy comes in later that day, and Marshall tells him, "I got to be out of here in a day and a half so that I'm home for my son's eight-year-old birthday, so I can wow. sing him happy birthday." And the guy looked at him and just laughed. He's like, "What do I have to do to make that happen?" He already knew in his head he was going to make it happen. Right. Yeah. You know, so Marshall's the master of, I mean, you, that's not necessarily hypnotizing, but right. he truly believes it. So he, he's able to attract that. Now that doesn't mean you just can think it. When I first heard about the secret two decades ago or whatever, you know, it's just like the scriptures, you know, faith without works is dead. You can have the thoughts, but you still have to act. Right. And Marshall had to walk around four times and, and all those different things. So he did his part but he made it, you know? Yeah. And so that's what that conscious self-creation statement does too. It's like, you're putting out what you want. Right. Most oftentimes we're going through the day just that life gives us without much thought. The majority of us, I mean, I'm guilty of that still at times, yeah. 
But if we're intentional and tell ourselves what's going to happen, we can, it, I swear, it just it's happens, true. man. Yeah, you're true. It's right. It Self-talk self is the most important conversation you can have. Amen. It just is because you can be your best critic or your worst critic, or you can be your best cheerleader. Amen. And, and whichever one you decide to be is, is how you're going to, you're going to act on that. Yep. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things we love to do with our, you know, uh, our girls, we have core values, our, our family so awesome, has core dude. values. And every, every morning, every morning, we have our morning routine, just like we have our evening routine. So powerful. And everything you just described already is something that we're doing. So I know we're doing the right stuff. Cause you, if you said it, then we're doing the right things because we have our core values. We all had our own little canvas and we all wrote we all took responsibility for expressing one of the core values on the canvas. And we have those displayed in our house. But then every morning we say, we are the gums. You know, that's our family name. We are the gums. And then, and then we say our core values. Um, uh, we are generous. We are curious. That's the growing awesome. education. Yeah. Uh, we love and we honor. And we say those things. And then we say this whole thing in this house, we do second chances. We do real, we do, we make mistakes. We do forgiveness. We have, it's, it's one of those cute little things in this house. It's always on, you know, so one of the daughters says that. And then another daughter says, we are salt. We are light. We will point people to Jesus. And, and we all have our part. My wife starts the core values. We echo it. The six-year-old says in this house and we echo it. The eight-year-old says we are Ooh. salt and we echo it. And then I pray and you know, when we started doing all of that about a year and a half, two years ago, the girls wouldn't do it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't involve yeah. themselves. My wife just trudged through it. We just trudged through it until they started joining in. They, they each took ownership of a part. I want to do in this house. I want to do, we are salt. And so we let them take their part and That's they, so cool. and they begin believing what they say. Yeah. And then it's a reference point for everything they do. When they're, when they're being mean to each other, we say, Hey, we are the gums. And they're like, we love, we honor, you know? And then, and then when a friend comes over and, and a friend does something uh, that they don't like, and then they, they come tell on, tell on the friend to yeah. us. And I'm like, well, in this house. And they're like, we do second chances. And so it's yeah, just, it's so just cool. a, but because we, because we, we say it, we, we, we vocalize it. I think there's very, you're right, man. It's, there's something that. very, a lot of value in saying it and expressing it. So man. Um, all right. Before my we grandma, go, my grandmother said when I was growing up, when your values are in check, decisions are easy. Yes. That's what you've created. I love grandma. Dude, that is so beautiful. What you've done. That's, that's, I love amazing. grandma. That's incredible. Well, tell us one more thing we need to know about Steve Cloward your family, your business, everything. Tell us, tell us something else that we need to know before we go. I'm a five-star dad, a five-star husband. I like to impact those I come in contact with by who I'm being, you know, that's part of what I used to say. I mean, I still say that. And, and when I say I, I impact those I come in contact with by who I'm being, that could be the person in the C store, if you're paying for gas that you just smile at or be yeah. nice to, that's just, you know, sucking wind because it's like you're doing with your daughters. And like, I'm talking about, whether people understand it, whether I'm totally off base or not is irrelevant, but yeah. what we put out there, it's all energy. It's just, even if you don't say words by just how you carry yourself can yeah. impact somebody. I mean, Absolutely. all of us have been in a room when somebody walks in and you don't even see them, but you feel it. That's just who they're being, you know? And so 
that's really it. And, you know, he's somebody that's imperfect, but is trying every day to improve and wants to make a difference in this world because we're in trouble right now. Yes, we are. Well, man, I admire everything you've done, what you've come back from, come out of, what you've wrote, risen above. And uh, I'm impressed with you. you. And I love your podcast uh, with, with Life After Addiction and Indictment. We'll put the link uh, uh, on there and all the platforms that they can listen to it on there as well. Okay, uh, your cool. website, your social media links, everything. Uh, who's your Who's your favorite sports team? You know, I used to be a real sports guy, but it's just kind of fallen off. Probably have to say the Utah Jazz, just because they're in my backyard and my old neighbor just bought them. So, <laughs> really, okay, yeah, right? They don't Qualtrics, man. <laughs> well, all right. From me, but yeah. So yeah, Jazz. So, I used to be real involved, but yeah. Uh, our last question: Is there a book that has impacted your life outside of your ebook? that you've read, yeah. not the one that you've written, but a book that's impacted your life so much that you need to share with my listeners before we go. Yes, I'm hoping I could have seen it real quick, but I can't, but it's power of the subconscious mind. Okay. To me, it's All the right. most powerful thing out there. And, when, and it's, an, it's an easy read too. Cool. Um, because yeah, like you said, you know, that conversation is the most important thing we can have, which is true. But the worst one we can have is when it's a one-way conversation. Mm, so good. So, Steve Cloud. Life After Addiction and Indictment Podcast. Uh, what's the name of your company? It's Life After Addiction and Indictment. Okay, so it's it's all it's all uh, done under that. All right. Thank yep. you so much for your time, hey, uh, for pleasure. what you do, for Thank what you, for you do, me. and pr I'm proud of you, and I can't wait Thank to get you. to know you more, man, and uh, maybe we'll jam again in the future. And, a couple uh, of weeks, I'll have you on my show. So. Yes, I'm looking forward I'm to looking coming on your show, too. man. So uh, thanks again, and, and we'll, see you, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, man. Appreciate it. Thanks. I absolutely loved this interview with Steve. You know, even though I got his name wrong, I called him Steven instead of Steve. <laughs> Sorry about that, Steve. Uh, man, I learned so much from Steve. I mean, I had my own battle with addiction, my own battle with prison, but I love talking with other people who have been through it because they always have just a little bit different perspective and, and, and something that I can learn from them. And and one of the things I learned from Steve was he was brutally honest and transparent about how he was. I think he, he said there was a little bit of denial at the beginning, but man, he got brutally honest and and realized he was playing the victim role, the victim role. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Anytime you're you're gonna always play that victim role, I think that prohibits growth and mindset change in your life. He also talked about happiness as a choice. Uh, it, it's so true. Happiness is a choice. You can choose to be happy no matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what's going on. You can choose to be happy. You know, I I, um, I liked it when he talked about he needed that time out. Boy, I did too, man. Sometimes we just need a, a time out, a time away from things to to get our mind right, to get our mind right. Uh, he lost his confidence. But, you know, I like how he got it all back. He's He got his confidence back, his purpose, his identity. He did not lose his marriage. By the way, Steve, uh, whenever that is, happy anniversary, 31 years. You know, one of the things he said was the ones we love the most or that love us the most are the ones we end up hurting. It's true. My mom and dad love me the most, and I probably hurt them the most through all my bad decisions. 
But another thing he said was, uh, no amount of money makes me feel better than helping someone else. That's it, man. When you get that, when you get that, that is amazing. That is amazing. Kind of like when his son said, you know, no gift is is important enough to me or more important than than my dad being being in right standing. And I just want my dad back, you know. I don't want to I don't want a baseball bat. None of this stuff matters. None of the gifts matter. I want I want my dad. One of the things that um the little thing that he he said that he learned to do before you lay your head down every night is write three things you're thankful for. Man, I think that's a great idea, practice. And it, it really is one of our bedtime traditions that we love that we love. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard, man, especially when you have a bad day. It's hard to be thankful. But I'm so thankful this weekend because, like I said, it's April 2nd. This 15 years ago, April 2nd, is the day I found out that I made parole. I'm thankful for that. Steve's grandmother said, uh, when your values are in check, decisions are easy. That's so true. That is so true. Uh, Proverbs 2, uh, chapter 2, talks about, there's two verses in chapter 2 that talks about integrity and how integrity, basically when you have it, you're protected. Integrity protects you. It guards you. And and that is that is so true. That is so true. I like one thing he said in there. He said, man, I just want to help people. And I believe that. You can hear it in his heart. You can see it in his business, his podcast. He's given away, pretty much given away, I think it's a $17 course that helps you change your mindset. Oh, my goodness. Go to his, uh, go to his, go to his website. It's going to be all on the show page, all the links. His social media profiles will all be on there, his website. But he's got a really, really low-ticket course that you can buy that will help you. Listen, anytime you can learn from somebody else, that's gold. That is gold. So thank you for listening to today. Uh, again, it's Good Friday today, April 2nd. This is when Christ was crucified for us. And uh, and on yes, uh, tomorrow, Saturday, there was nothing. Silent Saturday. I've heard sermons preached about silent Saturday. And then Sunday comes. A lot can happen in three days. A lot can happen in three days. Hey, listen, if you're uh, back into the swing of going to church, go to go to, go somewhere to church this Easter weekend if they have it in person and you and you feel comfortable. Uh, watch online, too. You can still feel the presence of God online. But get involved somewhere this weekend. Uh, help somebody out this weekend. Do something good. I love y'all. Let's pray over Steve and uh, his, his, his podcast and his business real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Steve. Cloward, we thank you for Life After Addiction and Indictment podcast and the business. We pray that you open doors for Steve and his family that no man can shut. We pray that you uh, give him favor wherever he goes. Uh, let people be drawn to his, his story, his business, and, uh, and just give them everything they need for this season of life that they're in. Thank you, Lord, for Steve, for helping him find his purpose, his confidence, and saving his marriage. Lord, we just pray blessings on them and favor. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys have a good Friday. We will see you next week on Background Check Podcast, where we will have a, a really good friend of mine named Kenneth Pruitt. He's a forgiven felon. He is just a uh, he's got an amazing story. I've been a part of his his story on the backside uh, now for I think ten years maybe. So uh, I'm excited. He's uh he's gonna be a fun he's gonna be a fun guest. It's gonna be a fun show. I do not know what's gonna happen. I may have to do a lot of editing. I don't know, but it's gonna be a fun show. So tune in next week to uh, to to hear Kenneth Pruitt. And thanks again for listening. Don't forget to visit the website, ForgivenFelons.org. Uh, download the Roundup app and connect one of your debit cards, credit cards, and round up and give the change. Round up to the nearest dollar and give the change to Forgiven Felons. That Roundup app is available on iPhone and Android. So, um, you know, give some change to make to help us make change. And uh, also Amazon wish list. If you want to buy us, you know, actually buy us things, go to our wish list on Amazon. You can look at that. And uh, But don't forget to buy uh, through smile.amazon.com. Uh, then everything you buy, everything you buy on, on Amazon, if you buy it through smile.amazon.com, on your app, on your phone, you can just switch it to Smile, and it'll choose Forgiven Felons as your charity, and you donate every time you buy something. Hey, listen, thank you so much. Uh, we got some really good news coming up. Uh, regarding background industries in our resource center. We're excited about it. Keep us in your prayers. Pray for a building. Pray for open doors. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.